Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, uh, I guess there's a sign of them. They found a debris field uh, in the area where the Titanic is, a bunch of stuff floating around, huh? Is it related to the, uh, the submersible? We don't know yet for sure, but uh, they would have run out of air by some estimates by this morning. So it's all looking uh, incredibly bleak and sad, which, uh, gosh, I was hoping, hoping for something big. You know, I know there's one chance in a trillion right now that something great could happen, but it looks like it's more or less over for these guys. Uh, wish, uh, wish that was not the case. These amazing adventurers, you know, just talking to Andrew Giuliani, you know, some of these guys down there are worth a billion dollars. Two of them, at least, are billionaires, I believe. They give everything they have, I'm sure, to uh, just to have one one uh, working radio, <laughs> one working radio, SOS, something, something to signal the world where they are and please come and get us. They'd probably trade it all, but um, just uh, it's terrible, really bad news. Uh, everyone's talking about this. Yeah, I like it when, you know, people rally around and everyone's talking about the same thing. Um, but it doesn't look like it's going to work out. And, uh, will we ever find this? Um, I, why did they have to search an area twice the size of Connecticut, by the way? I mean, they dropped this submersible right over the Titanic and, um, did, were they afraid that it drifted? Could it have drifted that far away? I, uh, or maybe they actually offset the Titanic because the currents are going to take it to the Titanic. So, who knows? Who knows this stuff? It's uh, probably shouldn't have gone to begin with. I mean, once we went in 1985 and then a couple of times since, every beautiful picture you want to see of the sunken Titanic is available online. You can download it. You can streamline it. You can stream it. You can do whatever you want with these pictures all over the place. I was looking inside that submersible yesterday. You know, there's no uh, there's only one window. And where is the window? Right by the toilet seat. Yes, it's the it's, it's the guy who runs this company is kind of uh, very eccentric. I mean, uh, it's stocked in rush, you know, and I'm so sorry. It looked like we're not going to see him again. But, um, you know, I was giving him a hard time yesterday. I mean, look, I want him to live so we can <laughs> educate him about the world. And then uh, I want him to live for all kinds of reasons. Obviously, we want him to. Uh, be reunited with his family. It's all very, very sad. Um, but I'm sorry. So is the rinky dink way he ran this uh, submarine business. Cut 20, please. Cut 20. Let's take a look at Titan. So we're coming into the sub. This is the only toilet available on a deep diving submersible. Best seat in the house. You can look out the viewport. We put a privacy screen in, turn up the music. And uh, it's uh, very popular. We have our uh, control screen here, our sonar screen here, and we can put any image we want in the back. We've taken a completely new approach to the sub design, and it's all run with this game controller and these touch screens. So if you want to go forward, you press forward. If you want to go back, you go back, turn left, turn right, go down, go up. And it's Bluetooth, so I can hand it to anybody, 
And it's meant for a 16-year-old to throw it around and super durable. We keep a couple of spares on board just in case. First of all, Bluetooth stinks, all right? I don't know why everybody's doing Bluetooth. I'd rather have a wire. You you lose the stuff. It breaks. It's uh, The connection is always screwed up. There's always something wrong with Bluetooth. How about a nice, good old-fashioned cable, all right? Cables, wires. And you're saying, oh, we got we, we, on this display screen, we can put whatever we want on it. Like, that's a big deal, right? Like a television set. I, I just, oh, gosh. And... Uh, I saw some guys yesterday um, turning wrenches on the uh, Titan submersible, turning wrenches. I mean, aren't you supposed to have, like, titanium sealing devices, machines, just airtight? I don't know, but it just was some guy with a screwdriver did not look good. It looks like a junkyard uh, arrangement. Right out of Sanford and Son. Oh, by the way, on Sanford and Son, there's this great, great uh, thing going around the Internet where they take Red Fox's face off and they put Trump's. <laughs> and, you know, that who was the woman who was always he was always giving her a hard time. Anyway, sometimes they'll put Nancy Pelosi's face on it. Sometimes they'll put uh, Hillary Clinton's face on it. It's fantastic. Sanford and Son. You don't hear about Sanford and Son anymore. Oh, and for Lamont, they put Donald Trump Jr., it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. Well, uh, this is uh, bad news. Uh, hey, we're still getting reports. Uh, you know, that all the damage and carnage from Juneteenth. You know, all these celebrations give people the day off. You don't tell them what it's for. Very few people have a real idea what the hell Juneteenth is all about. But a day off in the summertime can lead to situations like uh, I don't know uh, this. McDonald's in Los Angeles being uh, destroyed. Cut 21, please. Cut 21. (laughs) They're destroying a cash register. They're having a great time doing it. My goodness gracious. Uh, this is what happens. Our institutions, nothing means anything anymore to anybody, it seems like. Uh, society in free fall. Those beautiful women that I mentioned this yesterday, they were on last night. Just incredible women who are women, biological women who like to swim. Riley Gaines is an amazing woman. I think she's going to be president of the United States someday. You know, she was um, a champion butterfly swimmer. And then Leah Thomas shows up. Leah Thomas. And Leah Thomas was blowing everybody out of the pool, literally, because, well, Leah's a man. But Riley Gaines stood up to Leah and made a lot of other points that I did not know. I did not know that this was going on. Did you? Cut 22. I raised Thomas in the 200 free cell, which ended up in a tie. Um, We went the exact same time down to the hundredth of a second. Having only one trophy, the NCAA handed it to Thomas and told me I had to go home empty-handed. And when I asked why, which was a question they were not prepared to be asked, I actually appreciate their honesty because they said, Thomas, it was crucial. Thomas had it for picture purposes. I felt betrayed. I felt belittled. I felt reduced to a photo op. But my feelings didn't matter. In addition to being forced to give up our awards and our titles and our opportunities, the NCAA forced me and my female swimmers to swim to share a locker room with Thomas, a six foot four, 22-year-old male equipped with and exposing male genitalia. Let me be clear about this. We were not forewarned we would be sharing a locker room. No one asked for our consent. This is not politics for me. 
This is a real-life issue, and I want to put it on record. I don't believe trans athletes should be banned from sports. That's the rhetoric that's being pushed from the opposition. I just want everyone to compete where it's fair and where it's safe, and I don't understand how that's that's overly controversial. And if we do speak up, you're immediately labeled as some, as some name. They will call you everything under the sun, whether it's transphobic, homophobic, racist, white supremacist, domestic terrorists. They will throw them all at you in hopes to deter you. Feminism is not a fluid term. Um, the original... And the meaning of what it means to be a feminist is to uphold, respect, honor, embrace, and celebrate women on our own physical ceilings, our own uniqueness. That term has not changed. Um, and what this really is is a, is a male mansplaining what it is to be a feminist, which I honestly think is pretty ironic. Wow, good for her. She's going to be president someday. You know what this uh, means, this message that she goes around with when she shows up at the University of California. <laughs> uh, they got to call the SWAT team in to rescue her. She gave she gave a speech. She made those points. Listen to what they did. Listen to the 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 total freak out afterwards. Cut 23. <laughs> it's a rescue mission to get her out of there, to get her the hell out of there. It's insane, insane. But anyway, Riley, you're on the right side. Um, who's this guy? Hurd. Mr. Hurd is joining the uh, Republican primary. He wants to be president. Mr. Hurd. I think I had this guy. I'm not kidding. As a, as a substitute teacher once. I think he was one of my substitute teachers. His name is Bill Hurd. Um, and he thinks he could be president. And he's actually getting a fair amount of attention. He's a former three-term congressman from Texas. To that, most people would say, so what? And that would be the accurate and right reaction to, uh, to Bill Hurd, H-U-R-D. But he's running for president and, uh, he put out a big video today and the, the political world is trying to, you know, give him all kinds of, pr- I guess I'm doing it too, but I am curious. I mean, where do you get off thinking you can be president? This guy. He's the most ordinary guy. I'm sure perfectly nice, but you gotta do something big to be eligible to be president. See, DeSantis is, um, people are amazed at how badly he's doing and what a rotten candidate he is. Sorry, but he's no good at politics. It's amazing he became governor. Well, he became governor because of Trump, but, and quite frankly, copying Trump. So, uh, this is Bill Hurd. Are we ready? All right. Tell us your vision of the world, uh, Congressman, uh, what's your name? Go ahead. The soul of our country is under attack. Our enemies plot, create chaos and threaten the American dream. At home, illegal immigration and fentanyl stream into our country. Inflation, still out of control. Crime and homelessness, growing in our cities and liberals do nothing. Stop! It's almost like he uh, asked artificial intelligence to write himself a campaign announcement. Write Write a campaign announcement critical of the Democrats. And this is what it would spit out. It's so generic. And you can't see the video. I can see the video. You know what he's doing? He's having those fake conversations with people on the street. You know, where you nod your head, the kind of that nods their head, you know, like they're really listening to the problems of the people. Uh, they're sitting in a diner and all that stuff. All right, I'm sorry. Keep going. President Biden can't solve these problems or won't. And if we nominate a lawless, selfish, failed politician like Donald Trump, who lost the House, the Senate, and the White House, we all know Joe Biden will win again. Stop! Now, that was really mouthy. That was totally unnecessary, this Republican, Mr. Nobody from Texas. What do they call him? Called President Trump a loser. 
more votes than any incumbent president in the history of the world. And uh yeah, right, right, right. You know, lots of presidents, oh, by the way, lose Congress. All right. It's like almost it's it, it happens more often than not. All right. So 2016, 2018 happens. Basically, that's a historic pattern. Anyway, that was pretty flip of this guy. Yikes. Uh, all right. Press play, please. Reluctantly. Republicans deserve better. America deserves better. It's common sense. You? Common sense says we're better together. I know it. You know it. What does that mean? There's more that unites us than divides us. Stop! Have you talked to the damned uh, uh, Democrats and the transgender mess? Is there any compromise on that? No, there isn't. We're not compromising on that. No drag queens around the kids. All right? There's no middle ground here. We need a border. There's no middle ground on some of this stuff that Democrats are pushing. Just so you know, uh, whatever his name is, keep going. And America needs common sense during these complicated times. I'm Will Hurd, and for the past 20 years, I've been on the front lines of the most pressing fights facing our nation. I hunted down terrorists in the Middle East after 9-11. In Congress, I fought to lower taxes, secure our border, and provide more opportunities for the middle class. Stop! I've worked. Uh, you know, we're going to just have to take his word for it that he did all this stuff in the CIA. The CIA doesn't doesn't impress us anymore, all right? I'm sorry. They let us down too many times. No WMD, uh, 9-11, Afghanistan, all this stuff. It doesn't impress us anymore. He's banking on our kind of feelings of nostalgia to be impressed through our ignorance. CIA, Central Intelligence. Oh, wow, that sounds so impressive. It's not. All right. A little bit more. Worked at the highest levels of business to harness technology and innovation for the future of America. These experiences have shown me that this moment, that this election has never mattered more. What's with the mood music That's in why the I'm background, running by for the, the Republican way. nomination for President of the United States? I envision an America where the economy thrives because we harness technologies like artificial intelligence to grow American jobs, not unemployment. An America where every child regardless of location or age, has access to a safe world-class All right, class knock education. yourself out, Bill. It's not going to happen. Well, actually, look, I'm all for a good contest. I want to, you know, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll look at this. I'm going to watch the debates. It looks like Trump is not going to the debate. I don't blame him as the uh, massive front runner out by 40 points. But, uh, again, um, good luck to you. <laughs> Be right back. Greg Kelly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. So, curious idea. Tantalizing. Did you hear about this? Donald Trump, running mate. He needs a running mate, right? You know, when I met with him in April, interviewed him, I asked him, uh, so you got time. I mean, it looks like you're going to be the nominee at this rate. You're going to be the nominee. It's pretty damned early. Uh, Are you thinking about a... Uh, a running mate. He said, well, I am thinking about uh, it, but he didn't go much further than that. Uh, look, what does this sound like to anybody? Robert F. Kennedy Jr., RFK Jr. as a running mate, as vice president. Now, I know he's a liberal Democrat, but if he believes in the Constitution, if he believes in borders, I I just, maybe this is the moment, all right? I want to uh, hear some highlights. Here's what... Here's a little bit of what R.F. Kennedy Jr. is all about. Let's listen. 
My uncle, John Kennedy, he realized early on that the purpose of the CIA and the intelligence apparatus was to create a constant pipeline of new wars. Eisenhower, who was the outgoing president, gave what is probably the most important speech in American history, which was, you know, where he warned against the military-industrial complex. I was at my uncle's inauguration. I was in Washington that day, you know, as a six-year-old boy. And two months later, the military and intelligence came to him and said, we got to invade Cuba. And he was like, I'm not going to Cuba, and I'm not going to let the military. And they said, well, we got all these Cubans trained, and they're going to go attack Castro. And he said, well, we're, the U.S. government can't be doing that. I don't like what Castro's doing down there, but the, it's not the United States' job to dictate what kind of governments other countries have. And they said... Uh, well, as soon as they land, there's going to be a, a big revolution. Everybody's going to rise up and they're going to overthrow Castro. And he said, well, you can't use the U.S. military. And they ended up bringing those guys over. And in the middle of it, in the night, they came to him and said, they're getting wiped out on the beach and you need to send in the military and invade. And he said, we're not going to do it. He stepped out of that meeting and he realized they had been lying to him and trying to trick him. And he said, I want to take the CIA and shatter it into a thousand pieces and scatter it to the winds. For the next a thousand days of his presidency, he was at war with his military and intelligence apparatus. They tried to get him to go into Laos. He said, no. They tried to get him to go into Vietnam. They said that we need 250,000 combat troops. He refused. Everybody around him wanted to go into Vietnam. He sent 16,000 military advisors. They weren't allowed to fight. Many of them did. They both violated the rules of engagement. In October of 1963, he heard some of his Green Berets had been killed over there. And he said, I want a total casualty list from Vietnam. And his aide came to him and said, 75 Americans have died. And he said, that's too many. And he signed that day a national security order ordering all troops out of Vietnam, U.S. troops. And then a, week, a month later, he was killed. Fascinating. This guy knows where all the bodies are buried. I mean, it's in his blood, a Kennedy. Now, uh, there's a lot not to like there, okay? The liberal stuff, and uh, but I haven't seen much in the woke. I don't know. And so, actually, Steve Bannon, of all people, has been pushing this, right? Donald Trump and RFK Jr., running running mates. There's something to it. There's something to it. And the left already, by the way, they've, they've, they've heard about this rumor. They are freaking out and totally trying to destroy um, RFK Jr. The censorship, uh, which was already ongoing, has gone into overdrive. It's hard to find these kinds of videos. But that is uh, that's a very, very refreshing and interesting idea. Could be a total game changer. Be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, everybody, you guys remember I was right about Eric Adams, told everybody I could, forget about Eric Adams, bad guy, doesn't know a damn thing about policing. He was, he's an egomaniac, a total strange guy, and he was living in New Jersey. Now he's the mayor of New York. Um, although, by the way, it doesn't seem like it's such a big deal anymore. The job has been so reduced. It's, uh, it's smaller than it used to be. Uh, and a lot of people are just paying more attention to national issues. The local stuff doesn't seem as, Important, although the quality of life is important and it's disintegrating all around us. And thanks, uh, in part, thanks to the incompetence of uh, Eric Adams, so consumed with himself. Uh, you can tell, oh, by the way, in, in, in the way he presents himself. I mean, the grooming, the excessive grooming. But he thinks our um, 
our uh, grievance with him is based on race, believe it or not. Yeah, he went to see some event yesterday and uh, really revealed himself to be the narcissistic lunatic that he is. Uh, let's go through this. Cut C1, please. Eric Adams, go, uh, go. You must understand, no matter how much there's an attempt to invalidate the success we're making as a city, it's a coordinated <laughs> effort that people say it took 30 years before we had a mayor of color after David Dinkins. We cannot allow this mayor to do two terms. And we must understand that. <laughs> Uh, the <laughs> just—he's really a caveman, isn't he? He's just not very smart. Wow, it's uh, it's <laughs> look like him. Look like him. You're incompetent, and the city is going to hell. Now, Thirty years is a long time. We've actually only had three mayors. Three mayors. De Blasio was horrendous. This guy's even worse. And we had two great mayors, Bloomberg and Giuliani, back to back. And we're all coordinating, right? Yeah, it's true. Uh, the other day, I saw Curtis Sliwa. We said hello to each other in the in the, in the break room. Cut C three, please. Thirty something years ago, I woke up in my sleep, out of my sleep in a cold sweat. God spoke to my heart and said, "You are going to be the mayor, January first, twenty twenty two." And the message was, God stated, "You cannot." be silent. You must tell everyone you know. Because it's a Judges 7, verse 2 through 7 moment because when you win the battle I don't want you to think that you won on your own and I don't want people to think that you won because of you who you are. I don't know about that. Uh, the way he talks it seems to be um, uh, it's not it's not godly. It's just not godly. Cold sweat, that is something of a nightmare, oh by the way. This guy being mayor. Uh, all right, let's see here. Cut C-16. Does this sound like a godly fellow, huh? Cut C-16. Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable. Did God tell you to be a racist pig? I wonder. I wonder. Cut C-9, please. This unknown source. I'm a black man. That's the mayor. Oh, yeah. But my story has been interpreted by people that don't look like me. White people. We got to be honest about that. How many blacks are in the editorial boards? How many blacks are determined how these stories are being written? Who the hell's reading these stories? Newspapers are dying, oh, by the way. Forget it. doesn't matter who's right. They're going away. And that's horrible. Jobs. Now, what the hell is he talking about Kunta Kinte for? Now, I saw Roots. It was on everybody in the damn country stopped what they were doing and talked about Roots. For about four days in 1977. I didn't understand it, but I do remember LeVar Burton, who went on to be, um, uh, what was he in Star Trek? Anyway, he was in Star Trek, the guy with the fancy goggles. And a very nice guy, oh, by the way. He did Reading Rainbow, and I think he might be the next host of Wheel of Fortune. Kunta Kinte, huh? Cut C10. People can say what they want. There are those in society that still long to see me stop saying Kute Kente and they want me to say Toby. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. 
The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. And it's uncomfortable for I don't know what so that means. So you can whip me as much as you want. But when you take off my shirt, you'll see the scars are already done. You know, I've gotten beaten enough that I can't be beaten again. I came into government saying Kute Kente. I'm leaving government saying Kute Kente. Right. And if you don't know who he is, go see Roots. Yeah, that, right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit through that mini series again. Sorry. And it was a book first, oh, buddy, uh, by the way. Um, what's he talking about? Um, well, shut up and get to work. <laughs> right? He's just this self-absorbed stuff that's not helping anybody. It's not helping him. I think he's losing it. Don't you? Sounds, uh, sounds very iffy. Hey, I wonder if he's smoking pot, if it's made him psychotic. A lot of people are smoking weed. It's out of control. Something like one in six Americans right now are smoking marijuana. Um, you know who we can thank? The, uh, silly Billy former police commissioner, Bill Bratton, who held up that big bag of, uh, weed and said, this is legal to carry in New York. Big dopey smile on his face with his wingman, Bill de Blasio there. Anything to be different from, uh, Bloomberg. Anything to be different. That's what. And that, more than anything else, that was a definitive moment. An inflection point, if you will. Uh, now it's everywhere. Yeah. What kind of message is that from the police, huh? You can carry around a, <laughs> a lunch bag full of pot with no problem, no questions asked. Listen to this. Wall Street Journal. More Americans are using marijuana. Their employers are trying to decide how much that matters. One in six American adults now says they smoke marijuana, a share that has eclipsed the number of cigarette smokers, according to a recent Gallup uh, survey. And expanding legalization of the drug has led more companies to scrap employee drug testing. Instead, many are leaning on managers to spot signs that workers are impaired on the job and determine what to do when they are. For one thing, some companies say being high at work isn't necessarily a fireable offense, but it does make you really sloppy. I know there are plenty of people out there who say, Greg, you don't understand. It helps my glaucoma and you, I don't, that's fine. If you have a medical situation, a genuine medical situation, I knew a guy who said it helps him with his anxiety. Is that a genuine medical? I tell you, anxiety, a little bit of anxiety is a good thing. You want to be a little bit worried from time to time. It used to be you test positive. See you later, later, says Eric Mack, a partner with employment law firm Littler Mendelssohn, who says he has trained employees in more than a dozen companies to spot the signs of drug-related impairment in the past two years. Managers are really on the front lines of making these determinations. That's a very uncomfortable thing to do. Are you high? And even if you, even if they are high, so what? Maybe they've got they got a medical note. Maybe it's totally legal. Um, what a mess! What a mess! It's all over the place. You smell it everywhere you go. And this is another sign of a failing, crumbling society. China, uh, most of China was smoking opium, and it was being carved up by rival countries. Rival countries. The, the stuff with Tibet and others uh, before the communists took over. One of the reasons they were able to take over, so many people were smoking that silly opium in those opium dens. It's true. Rich in Queens, yes. I'm still wondering 
when they're going to get to the bottom of the Adam Schiff truth. I mean, he said that he had so many uh, secrets piled away on every Sunday show. And, oh, oh, the truth will be revealed. Come on. It... You mean it sounded? Did it? Did it sound a little bit like this? Cut thirty-nine, please. Cut thirty-nine. How solid is the evidence that it was the Russians? It's very solid. It's uh, indeed overwhelming. We do know this: the Russians offered help, the campaign accepted help, the Russians gave help, and the president made full use of that help. He was working on a deal that would require doing away with sanctions for him to make money in Russia. That is a real problem. <laughs> anyway, and we, we went on and on and on, hours and hours, months, months, years of this stuff, all not true. He was censored yesterday, which doesn't really mean much of anything. Um, it doesn't mean anything. Actually, here's the moment. Cut 38, please. Cut 38. They're cheering him. But the House of Representatives censures Adam Schiff, representative of the 30th Congressional District of California. No. So there's so that's that. Only a handful of people in history have been censored, which is like a formal reprimand, I guess, in writing, and it goes into the congressional record. But he's doing victory laps, and uh, maybe it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, let's face it, you know, it didn't deter us for, in our support for President Trump when he was impeached. Didn't deter me, at least. You know, uh, does that make a difference? Nothing seems to nothing seems to matter anymore. It's very strange and kind of sad. Becky in Oregon, welcome back. Oh, Greg, hi. Um, I started crying this morning watching Riley Gaines because I got to see the, I think it was the full clip. And I I don't know who she, if she was talking to Congress or who that was, but you started to play it this morning. And, and I started to start crying because when she was describing in the shower with that man and all this. Okay. But I heard when you guys stopped the clip this morning, I had my pen in my hand because this morning she said there was a term I thought. I hope I'm not wrong about this. She she said, I saw the tears of the girls, the swimmers that lost their um, like the ninth and tenth place that they lost because of that man. And there was a term for it, and I never heard that before, for the placement of, like, the ninth and 10th. And I was just going to see if you were going to play it, if I was going to write it down. But anyway, even if I'm wrong, can you imagine the heartbreak of those girls in ninth and 10th place? Yeah. What was the term? There was a term term for the ninth and 10th place finishers, right? I think think we have a term for that. Last. (laughs) Last and second to last. Is Is that the term? No, no, it was like a, uh, it was, there was some status to it. Uh, I don't know. That's why it was so heartbreaking because they worked so much and the, the, that's why, cause I never heard that before, but yeah, there, she used the term and it sounded like even the ninth and tenth place because that's why they were crying. I don't know. They, they only have so many lanes in the pool. How many lanes in the pool do they have? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Look, I love Riley Gaines. She's amazing. Uh, Leah Thomas uh, does not deserve to be in that pool. Get the hell out of the pool, Leah, and ha- go back to the boys' team. Although Leah's not out of college, so it uh, doesn't really matter. Hey, you want to hear the fake news celebrate? They just celebrate. Where is that thing? Like, it's all normal. Like, it's all beautiful. When Leah Thomas was the man getting in the pool and going to the locker room with the girls, this is how NBC News treated this whole debacle. Cut 25, cut 25. 
There is so much to watch. So she's going to first hit the pool this morning at 10 o'clock. That's the 500-yard freestyle. The prelims finals are tonight. She's favored to win the 500 and the 200-yard freestyles. She's also swimming in the 100-yard freestyle, and she's got a shot there. But in addition to watching for her winning those races, Hoda, we're also watching for the potential. She is within striking distance of the long-held collegiate records by Missy Franklin and Katie Ledecky. So, of course, we're going to be watching to see if she uh, touches those records during this weekend, too. If she, her she, 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 and a big smile on her face. Isn't this great news, Hoda? And she's going to touch those records? Hey, I'm worried about her touching the real women in the locker room. I'll be right back. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. My Twitter game is still uh, superior at Greg Kelly USA, at Greg Kelly USA. And uh, I was telling everybody that John Durham, who was, you know, we were waiting on this guy, we were counting on him and to bust it all wide open, and he failed. He slow walked the investigation. Remember, he was the guy who was supposed to investigate, track down all the. All the lawbreakers, all the um, people who screwed up the um, uh, the campaign for Donald Trump with that phony crossfire hurricane uh, nonsense. It also sabotaged half of his presidency, oh, by the way. And John Durham, let's see, Mueller took two years investigating the Russia hoax. <clears throat> two years. And um, found nothing. This guy took four years investigating that. <laughs> the, the hoax itself took two years, and then it took four years to investigate. And there's something very odd about John Durham. I think he's a um, he's an industry guy. And what is his industry? The swamp. Um, here he is. We found out that people like Strzok and Page were hideously biased and breaking all of their regulations, all of their rules, and maybe even laws in an attempt to get Trump. And this is what this guy says about all that. His report came out a few weeks ago. Uh, it's written in a heavy bureaucratic style, which makes it almost unreadable. And the way he talks, it's almost unlistenable. Cut 26, please. Cut 26. Our findings were sobering. I can tell you, having spent 40 years plus as a federal prosecutor, they were particularly sobering to me. A number of my colleagues who uh, spent decades in the FBI themselves they were sobering. Sobering. Big deal. Sobering. Sobering. Well, what? 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 So they start asking him direct questions, the Republicans. Look, he found, um, oh, just listen to their direct questions. It, it, they set it up for him to hit it out of the park. And what does he do? He speaks in a most peculiar way. Uh, cut 28. You wrote in your report, quote, based on the evidence gathered in the multiple exhaustive and costly federal investigations of these matters, including the instant investigation, neither U.S. law enforcement nor the intelligence community appears to have possessed any actual evidence of collusion in their holdings at the commencement of the crossfire investigation. To date, has any evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia ever been uncovered? I mean, there is, there is information, obviously, in the um, report that was prepared by Director Mueller uh, and whatnot. But as uh, to collusion or conspiracy, 
I'm not aware of any. Wow, what a what a muddled mess, huh? <laughs> Had to put all those caveats in. Well, if uh, you know this report, that report, but I'm not aware of any. There was none. And the, he, it goes on like this. Uh, cut 29. When the FBI opened Crossfire Hurricane, that's the issue at hand, it did not have any information that anyone in the Trump campaign had ever been in contact with Russian intelligence officials. Isn't that right? As we wrote in, as we wrote in the, um, uh, the report, talked to the director of the CIA, the deputy director of the CIA, the director of NSA, um, uh, and people within the uh, FBI, and there was no such information that they had in their holdings at the time they opened Crossfire Hurricane. Wow. Just a... You know, just not a direct, not a forceful answer. Now, listen to what happens. Listen to his, um, his, there's a change in tone and suddenly he becomes a bit more direct and candid when the Democrats start asking questions. This is our, uh, our Jerry Nadler over there on the West side. Yeah. He's still in office somehow. Cut 30. Did it take four years to complete? Correct. Okay. And with all these resources and all these people you, you were sent to help you investigate the investigators. You only filed three criminal cases. You only brought two cases to trial, correct? Correct. And you lost all the cases you brought to trial, correct? Correct. In fact, two juries acquitted your defendants in all charges. And the one conviction that you obtained, the defendant pleaded guilty to a single count that never went to trial, correct? Correct. Uh, wow. That was just, uh, you know, question, answer, question, answer. <laughs> so Matt Gates, oh boy, gotta love this guy. Uh, cut thirty-one. He knows he knows something's up with this guy. He's holding his nose as he's looking around for uh, for Democrat and FBI malfeasance. So he's only looking for, with one hand. Cut thirty-one. This whole thing was an op, Mr. Durham. This wasn't like a bumbling, fumbling FBI that like couldn't get FISA straight. They ran an op. So who put Mifsud in play? You don't know, do you? I do not know that. I can't give you the For answer. years, you had years to find out the answer to what Mr. Jordan said was the seminal question, and you don't have it. And it, it just it just begs the question whether or not you were really trying to find that out. Oh, now Mr. Misfit, I know these are rabbit holes. They're old, but he's the guy who was talking to Pepinopoulos in some bar uh, in 2016 and became a whole federal case. It's ridiculous, but it's key. This is a key guy, and they didn't bother trying to find him. And it's ludicrous. You're John Durham. You got $60 million to spend in four years. You wouldn't try to find the key witness? Why not? Cut 32. If your question is, do we try to locate an interview, Mr. Mifsud, the answer is yes. Why didn't you subpoena him? We expended. Wait, why didn't you subpoena him to a grand jury? I'm sorry, why not? Why didn't you send him a grand jury subpoena? Mr. Mifsud? You'd have to find Mr. Mifsud before you could serve a grand jury subpoena on him. You guys were out in Italy. Was it you and Bill Barr looking for authentic pasta over there or Mifsud? No, we uh, we not. Um, we were looking for information that might help us locate Mifsud. But you know who I think could probably locate him? The features of, uh, of Western intelligence and possibly our own government that put him in play. Like Your report seems to be less a, an indictment of the FBI and more of an inoculation. I like that. I like that. Don't totally understand it, but I like it. One more. Cut 33. It's just hard to, like, pretend as though this was a sincere effort when you don't get to the fundamental thing that started the whole deal. I yield back. I was away from my family for four years, so essentially doing this investigation is, my view, is a sincere effort. 
Yeah, I didn't like that at all. He gets all nasty and cocky there. Yeah, I was away from my family for four years. Like he uh, went off to war or something like that. My understanding is he has a place in Connecticut and a and and he was working in Washington D.C. There is something called the uh, the train that goes back and forth. Uh, this guy too much and um, he didn't deliver and he didn't deliver on purpose. He's trying to protect them, the swamp. Uh, typical, typical. Thanks for nothing, John. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh-oh. More on this um, submarine situation in the Titanic. The U.S. Sun reporting debris found is from the Titanic sub. Expert claims and include uh, includes landing gear and rear cover. Hopes fade for the crew. A robot searching for the missing Titanic sub has discovered the vessel's landing gear and rear cover. Uh, the U.S. Coast Guard crew frantically hunting for the missing sub today revealed a debris field was found. Um, and now a rescue expert has claimed the debris found is a landing frame and a rear cover from the submersible, sparking fears for the vessel's crew of five. David Mearns, a pal of two of the Titan passengers, told Sky News, it was a landing frame and a rear cover from the submersible. It means the hull hasn't yet been found, but two very important parts of the whole system have been discovered, and that would not be found unless it was fragmented. Again, this is an unconventional submarine. That rear cover is the pointy end of it, and the landing frame is the little frame that it seems to sit on. Ay, 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 ay. The whole damn thing was so flimsy and weird. And, you know, the PlayStation inside to control it, the window by the toilet, the whole thing did not make sense. And by the way, we've seen everything there is to see of the damn Titanic. Enough with that thing already. I am so sorry. I think these guys you know, look like really interesting people look, looking for adventure, but this was the wrong operation, the wrong operation. And um, not only that, the company that um, was running all this stuff was woke and silly and insisted on hiring uh, junior people without experience because 50-year-old white men don't know anything. 50-year-old white men, you know, almost 30 years of uh, military service, what does that mean? How are they going to inspire a 16-year-old Hispanic pansexual, you know? I mean, come on. We have to reach out to the young people. Yikes. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that um, I, I hear it a lot from privileged, rich, older white people, oh, by the way. Okay, they start to apologize for all that stuff and try to masquerade it. They don't want you to notice it, so they adopt this woke BS language of the left. It's a trick. Don't look at me. Ooh, look at Joe Biden. How's he doing? He's in a press conference right now. Is he having trouble? Let's listen. From the Atlantic Ocean to the to the Indian Ocean in Africa to be able to transport and do it cheaper and do it with less, less how can I say it, less carbon emissions. Uh, we're trying to work with other countries to maintain their maintain their carbon sinks so they don't have to develop them like we did in causing pollution. And we're trying to figure out how to work out to pay them not to develop certain areas like Amazon and Brazil. But there's a lot of technology that's available All right. that we're sharing and we share with one another. We've learned how He's to standing next to the Prime Minister of which is India, a guy named Modi, to, for, for who I like, by the way. But if you want to talk about... 
climate change and pollution. I mean, he's standing right next to the biggest offender in the universe, okay? India and China. That's where the bad stuff is coming from. That's where the pollution is coming from. Um, and they put these restrictions on us. It screws with our economy. They blow off all of these restrictions and just keep on putting out that smog. If you really want to focus on the problem, that's where the problem is. I noticed, let me hear this, let me hear this guy speak. This is the, this is the leader of India. Excellency, you said oh. uh, very rightly that as far as India is concerned, environment. the environment, climate, these are All right. No, it's not the same when you're hearing from the uh, interpreter, right? Um, I was in India once. I went to uh, Delhi in 2005. I went with George W. Bush. I was impressed that he even got off the plane. <laughs> it was there for about an hour and a half. Unbelievable. You know, Bill Clinton went to uh, India, stayed there for like three weeks, goes to the Taj Mahal, rides every elephant he can. He's all over the place. Bill Clinton. Bill, I got to tell you this. I just love life. I love people, Greg. I love people. And he does. And he did. He has real zest for life. George <laughs> uh, has a zest for, you know, um, his bicycle, uh, his ball club, uh, and his friends. Uh, that, that, that's a very limited man. I found him to be a very limited individual, not worthy of the presidency. Um, you know, these president, these people running for president now, most of them are not worthy. This guy, Bill Hurd, William Hurd. And now let's face it, I didn't address this in the last hour. He's a former three-term Republican of Texas. He just announced for president. And we have his little uh, speech, his cheesy little video that he put out. Um, he went to college, then he joined the CIA, and then he got himself elected to the Congress, and now he thinks he can be your president and my president. Well, one of the reasons why he thinks that, and I was talking to a political pro, get this, number one, here are the, here are the three things he's got going for him, okay? This is the way they think, not the way I think. This is the way they think. Number one, he's black. Number two, he's got a big email list. And number three, um, donors. He's got some donors. That's it. Not, they don't talk about wisdom. They don't talk about experience. They don't talk about administrative experience or political experience or managerial experience or dipl- diplomatic experience or yeah, intellect or credential. No, they just talk, email list. You want to hear from this guy? He's not interesting. It is the most boring campaign video, but it's getting, I'm surprised, the momentum. What's happening is this. The donor class, and there is a donor class, they are freaked out that uh, Ron DeSantis turned out to be such a disaster. I mean, so bad. Just beyond their wildest dreams bad. He was anointed, but and he's the one who screwed it up. He just started opening his mouth, remember? Are you blind? <laughs> Hey, aren't, why, why don't you take some questions from the people? I, I what are you? I, I, I'm Ron DeSantis. Are you blind? I'm here. All right, I'm here. I'm talking to the people. Are you blind? It's like, okay, pal. Sorry. <laughs> Way to roll with the punches, Ronnie D. All right, ready for this? This is the guy. One more time. Uh, I don't think we listened to the. Can you do me a favor? Can you go to the second half? Because we heard the first half of the of the uh, the guy Bill Hurd from Texas. Can you go down? Skip it a few. Uh, he. Um, I don't know what we're supposed to make of his CIA experience, right? He was in the Central Intelligence Agency. So what? That doesn't impress us anymore. Did it ever? I don't think so. Okay, here we go. Let's hear from uh, uh, Mr. Hurd, H-U-R-D. Mattered more. That's why I'm running for the Republican nomination for President of the United States. 
I envision an America where the economy thrives because we harness technologies like artificial intelligence to grow American jobs, not unemployment. An America where every child, regardless of location or age, has access to a safe, world-class education. Everybody who's run for president in the past 30 years has said the same stuff. It's the same stuff. A little bit of originality. Why you, pal? There are 50 people running for president right now. Why you? Give me something new and different, okay? Never heard of you before. You're not, you went to, uh, Texas State. Who cares? Why you? Keep going. An America that acknowledges science, addresses mental health, and is inclusive and understanding. Now what the hell does that mean? Stop. Inclusive. That's one of those buzzwords. You might as well be throwing around equity. What does that mean? You know, when we get really inclusive, you know what it starts to feel? Exclusive, like excluding people based on what they look like. I don't like the direction this is going in at all. Keep going. Given that this vision for America will happen, but it can if we focus on our timeless principles and limitless potential, not self-interested politics. As president, I'll put our American security and prosperity first, and I'll give us the common sense leadership America so desperately needs. I'm Will Hurd. I'm running for president, and I approve this message. Let's be honest. You're running for a corporate board. <laughs> you're running for your resume. You're you're running for Will Hurd. Okay, I don't think you're running for president. Uh, is this a uh, long shot? Could he be vice president? I don't want any of these guys vice president. Trump should be thinking it out totally out of the box. No more Mike Pence's. I want a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I want who else would be? Who else would turn this world upside down? All right, and and, and totally mess with the Democrats' head. Uh, I don't know who that person is. I don't know. I asked him point blank myself. Uh, I told you in April. I don't think he knows yet, but it'd be wonderful. Now, at the same time, he did tell me this. Trump did. He said, "Greg, you know, a vice presidential pick." While very exciting in the media, they jump up and down. It really doesn't matter because it doesn't matter because they don't vote for the bottom. They vote for the top. And a a very good guy, Nixon, although he quit, you know, Greg, he quit. And he never should have quit because Barry Goldwater came to him and said, Dick, you got to quit. And Dick should have thrown him out of the damn office, but he didn't. Anyway, he told me that a... A vice president cannot help you. They can only hurt you. So you got to pick somebody who doesn't hurt you. Forget about the help because it's not going to help. And I said, okay. <laughs> uh, it was a great analysis, and he is spot on. And so was Nixon. Nixon is actually the guy who came up with that. Cannot help you. Cannot help you. Look back. I mean, as a vice president, when's the last time a vice president is actually credited with winning a state for the top of the ticket? It's been a long time. And, uh, hey, think about it. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, were people talking about politics the way we're talking about politics? I don't think so. A lot of it has to do with the phone, the Internet. Um, maybe it's because God has been chased out of the public square and this is our new, uh, you know, our new religion. And one of the reasons why the um, uh, coverage is so bitchy and mean where we're, we're like looking for a father figure and we just, we, we just are so resentful that these people are only human and we pick them apart. And it's so nasty and weird, the coverage. 
I just know from personal experience, people were not talking about politics in the 1990s the way they're talking about them now. I guess a little bit with Clinton and the impeachment. Then again, if you go into a party like I did, I remember the night that Trump was impeached in 2019 and go into this party and everybody's there, journalists and everything, and no one's even talking about the impeachment. Nobody. In part because they all knew, they all knew that on a fundamental level, it was, it was nonsense. You know what I mean, Sandra? How are you? Welcome back. Welcome back, Greg. You make me laugh. Sometimes I think you'd be the greatest mayor. Sometimes I think the greatest actor. Sometimes I think the greatest detective or maybe all of the above. I love it. You're so kind to me. Thank you. (laughs) So I wanted to say that, um, you know, uh, Wendy Rush, Stockton Rush's wife, is the great, great, great granddaughter of Isidore Strauss and Ida Strauss. They were the co-founders of Macy's department store. So this is kind of amazing because... They sank in the Titanic. That's right, and they were and they are remembered for their moving display of love, and the and the survivors reported that Ida, the the mother, the wife, refused to take a spot on the lifeboat as the crews tried to you know save as many women as possible. She said no, she's going to stay with her husband. And interestingly, in the movie Titanic, he has them in bed together hugging each other as the boat went down. I thought this was amazing how she's really related to someone who was on the Titanic. Oh, boy, and guess where he's going to, oh, boy, talk about a family reunion. This is terrible, terrible. Um, By the way, Ida, uh, that situation, yeah, I heard that story. And you can see their names outside of Macy's. A lot of people think Abraham and Strauss. I think it might be the same Strauss, but it's Macy's. And there's a monument to them on the Upper West Side. There's a bunch of Titanic stuff all over New York, actually. If you go over to the West Side, uh, right by Chelsea Piers, that's where the Titanic was heading, to Chelsea Piers. No kidding, to Chelsea Piers. And you can see on one of the big metal girders there, it says White Star Line. And that's the dock. And the head of uh, White Star slash Cunard ships was Lower Broadway. And when they didn't show up, thousands of people went down there complaining to the company, demanding information. For a while, they didn't know that it had sunk. Remember, it was unsinkable. How could it sink? Fake news strikes again. Sandra, thank you. Be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, so apparently it's baseball season. Is it really baseball season? When do they play? Until, uh, what? I used to care October, about baseball. October, I think. October-ish? Well, if they're any good, right? October's the championship. And, uh, look, I, uh, I lost my taste and appetite for baseball years ago, primarily, uh, when my dad caught me crying when the Yankees lost when I was like, 13 years old. He was, I was a little bit too old to be crying when the home team loses. He gave me a good talking to about, you know, the ways of the world and uh, getting my priorities straight and how these guys don't care about my problems. There was that. And then, uh, what else happened? Uh, oh, baseball reorganization in the mid nineties. I hated that. I just hated that. I still can't stand the wild card and all this nonsense. It should be a pennant and it should be a world series and the best in the, you know, the East Coast and the West Coast, and you know, just that's the way it should be. I don't like the way it is now. 
So what happened at the ball club was uh, the ball club. <laughs> that sounded like my mom. <laughs> uh, so there's this guy. What's his name? Donaldson, the veteran player, and everyone's booing him because he's uh, in a slump. Hey, he gets paid twenty two million dollars. Okay, we get to boo you if you stink. And right now he stinks, and apparently he's shell shocked by the booing. But um, you know, <laughs> you are in the major leagues, pal, getting twenty two million. Let's see what happens here. Go ahead. Ground ball is short. There's one. And there's two. And the Boo Birds are out. Yeah. Josh Donaldson. Boo! He grounded out with runners in scoring position. Again! Uh, and Hal Steinbrenner, son of uh, George, is like, I don't understand the fans lately. I don't understand the fans. Well, we'd like to win. We are also sick and tired of how expensive it's getting. And the world has changed, and baseball hasn't. Some people might think that's good. I know they redid the rules, and it's faster. It's imperceptible. I don't see any difference. Uh, I could be totally wrong, but I just I don't care for that. I also don't care for football anymore. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, but half the league, they're criminals. Um, 90% of them are smoking stuff. And this is no, they're no example for children. And I see children. You know, I was one of those kids wearing some man's name on my shirt. What the hell did I, what was I, was I pretending to be Joe Namath? Did I want people to think I was Joe Namath? What the hell was I thinking? What are kids thinking when they put Jeter's name on their shirt? Um, I just, it's, it's, it's bad for a lot of reasons. And, and also, look, for a little while, yeah, I thought I could have been Willie Randolph, you know, but you can't. You literally can't. You have no chance, no chance. You got a greater chance of going to Mars. Okay. It's just, it's that competitive. And everybody gets hung up on it, and uh, and then we have to settle for something that's not uh, the life of a major league baseball player. And sometimes we feel like failures, and I don't know. Too much glorification of it all. Too much commercialism. Meanwhile, the country is going to hell. We should use that energy to uh, become activists. Activists, really. Start social media accounts. Call your congressman. Write your congressman. Remember, you got to write letters. Write uh, Bud Light. Write them letters. Let them hear from you. Oh, by the way, uh, I keep hearing boycotts don't work. Boycotts don't work. You know what? <laughs> They're starting to work. Talk to Anheuser-Busch uh, about boycotts. Wow. Dylan Mulvaney. Won't be seeing uh, him no more, I hope. Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, white supremacy is a real, you know, bit of a myth, right? There are some white supremacists out there. Most of them are in prison or in the woods, okay? And they're a very, very small number, but they keep propping them up uh, rhetorically so they have this boogeyman and a political issue that they can exploit. Uh, but if I saw a real bona fide white supremacist uh, spouting hate on uh, on social media, uh, I'd be fascinated. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I, I can't remember what I last. I mean, did I ever see it? I see it in the movies. But I just found a bona fide black supremacist. Her name is the Black Messiah. And she posts obnoxious videos. And I'm always making fun of them and making fun of her. Um, but she just totally lost it on me and everybody else who's uh, making fun of her. And, uh, man, listen to this. This is, uh, this is racism and, uh, it's very, very funny, actually. It's sad and funny at the same time. May we please? All right, everybody. The Black Messiah. 
If you are not black, if your skin is not brown, if you are not melanated, then you do not have the right to come under my videos talking back to my people. Your opinions are not wanted, nor are they relevant. So why do you feel like you need to come and keep saying something to my people? It's fun. You need to ask me my permission before you speak or comment on my videos. No, I you don't. come under my video and say, Lord, may I please have your permission to say something. I already did. Then you wait for me to give you my permission before you start tapping, moving your little pasty fingers around on my page. Whoa! You people have been talking way too much for way too long, and your time is officially up. Oh. It is black power forever. Damn, right? You see what I mean? Right? This is a... Uh, uh, and these are very, very commonplace. You can find these all over the place. I'm not saying she speaks for anybody, but her uh, insane self, the Black Messiah. And as uh, the mayor gets uh, settled in, I have one other video from President Trump. And there's something to this. Uh, you know, people say, oh, we shouldn't be getting into fights with uh, with people. Um, but he has an explanation here, and it's interesting. He just put this out this morning. Go ahead. Many say don't punch down when talking about people like Chris Sununu or Sloppy Chris Christie or Ada Hutchinson, I call him Ada, not Asa, because of certain reasons, or others. But sometimes it's necessary to talk badly about those that, for no reason other than politics, speak badly about you. Otherwise, the people that love you don't know whether or not they're for real. Are they saying the truth? They're not. So sometimes you have to punch down and you have to say what's happening. Otherwise, they won't understand. It's not fair to them. You have to put them in proper perspective, these bad people. You have to put them in their place. People like this are very destructive. And you have to tell the voters what it's all about. Otherwise, why should they be able to understand it? Thank you very much. <laughs> Many say don't. All right. Excellent advice, I think, from the President of the United States. Mayor Giuliani joins us. Hello, Mr. Mayor. That is excellent. You know, it reminds me of you. Well, it reminds me. Of, oh, I learned it from Ed Koch. Ed Koch used to have a theory. I'm not going to attack you. You attack me, I'll attack you back once. You attack me again, I'll attack you back five times. You attack me a third time, I'll ruin you. <laughs> but I will not let an attack go unanswered. It has to be an answer to it because people might believe it was true, and it could come from the president, or it could come from some member of the city council, and he would answer it, and then. If they continued it, he would atom bomb them. There is this, though, and I kind of thought that this was pretty damn cool. It happened to me uh, years ago, and, uh, God, what were the details? Anyway, somebody said something nasty about me in page six, right? And um, I didn't find out about it uh, till like, three days later. Mm -hmm. I, I don't read page six. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, right, oh right, I guess right. I'm, i got to get good and mad now. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I look, if you're fighting for politics, if you're fighting to be, uh, you know, you, you, you're governing, I don't know if you have to go through life that I, I, way. I'm not sure that's the only – here's another theory. If they say it once, forget it because you're the get, giving it to let, – let's say there's a piece in uh, page six about you or me and we respond to it. It's quite possible it might never get repeated if we didn't respond to it. Our responding to it gives us more give, – gives it more punch – and then there'll be an article about how Kelly said this or Giuliani said that. So you have to, I mean, there are different ways to look at it. Now, here's something. If they do an article on you and they do articles on you all the time, mm -hmm. I think you got to wait for the article to come out, see what they have, and then respond. 
But if you start responding while they're building the article, because, you go become, to page one. Right. And, and you become like their research assistant. You give them validity. You give them. Uh, right. So. All right, Mr. Mayor. So what else? I tell you what. Well, can, um, I, can I clarify something that's driving me nuts sure. about, about the plea and the criticism Wait, Hunter, of Hunter about, Biden? The idea that, uh, well, they went easy on him because he's a drug, a drug addict. Well, the statute that exists passed by the Congress and that's part of the uh, uh, gun control uh, litany is about drug addicts. It's a drug addict should not be in possession of a gun. So if you can let him off the hook. For being a drug addict, what do you have the statute for? Right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But the whole thing with the gun, I mean, let's face it, we're talking influence peddling, we're talking bribery, we're talking... Uh, oh, it can't uh, be for the rest of the... It, it, there's a conundrum here that's very hard to figure out. That plea cannot be for money laundering in Ukraine, money laundering in Russia, money laundering in China, 31 million in China, 10 million plus in Ukraine, uh, 3.5 million in Russia... A million in Kazakhstan. Uh, now they're discover they're starting to discover the offshore bank accounts. They got one in Malta the other day. The minute they open up the offshore bank accounts, I don't know what the number is going to go to. I have estimates from people, but it's going to be in excess of what we know now, which is about forty million. You can't. This plea can't be in satisfaction of all that money laundering. None of that was declared on taxes. Uh, plus, a lot of it is just straight out bribery. Now, you never close, you don't, you don't allow your client to plead until the investigation is closed. So it would be very unusual that his lawyer would let him plead, but now they're going to go investigate these much more serious things. Let me ask you this. What do you know about the, um, $10 million that showed up on Joe Biden's income tax in 2017? You know about the S Corps and sure, stuff like that? Sure, yeah. So, uh, like we haven't figured out exactly where that money came from. I think their side has tried to say that they came from his uh, vice presidential memoir which those kinds of books don't make that kind of money. Um, has that been a, a, a field of yes. uh, interest for yeah, you? I mean, if that came from a vice presidential memoir and it was that kind of money, it would have been uh, a part of a contract that w- would have been made public to sell the memoir. Well, I mean, remember when Hillary got $8 million for her book and she only sold a million dollars worth of copies? I mean, the company was out $7 million. Those things, when I, I got a contract like that when I did my first book, it was for... T- Two billion dollars. Leadership. Yeah. Great book. And I, of course, we publicized it because it gives people interest in the book. If they're going to pay two million for a book, boy, this must be some kind of book. You're not going to give them, you're not going to give them eight million for a memoir and keep it silent. Right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Wow. Wow. All right. That can't be, for, that cannot be for a book. Uh, plus they put the records out if it was. They show us the contract immediately. What do we make of John Durham? I think it was a total and complete bust. I think he protected the FBI. He protected the swamp. I know. Forgive me if you're friends with him or whatever. No, I'm but not, I'm, I'm, I see this 100 percent the way you do. I've been listening to you, and a lot of people don't. And a lot of people, you know, even some of my friends that I respect say, "Well, he did do a good job. He just wasn't fast enough." I think he was a disaster in many ways. Because first of all, he should have come out with this before the election, and he could have. He could have. You just look at what it, what the the main parts of it. It was all done in time for the election. Uh, second, how do you not recommend prison for these people? These are horrendous crimes, some of the worst politically in the history of our country. And then he leaves people like there's a second time he's let Comey off the hook. I, mean, I don't know what it is. I think he's unnecessarily deferential to the establishment, the deep state, whatever yeah. you want to call it. 
And I think that's why Barr selected him. So it looks like Trump is running away with the nomination. I mean, I I don't see what stops him. I, it's not over yet. I mean, obviously, uh, I'm worried about what they'll do to stop him, though. They being Democrats, the deep state, you name it, you know, prosecutors. Um, uh, should I be concerned? Yeah. Am I, yeah. You should be concerned, uh, not fatally concerned. I mean, do we have a good chance? Yeah. Do, is there a chance we could lose? Yeah. Are they going to do more? Yeah, but they're going to have to change. They have to change what they're doing. I'm not sure, like, if they keep indicting him, that'll make him 100% Republican support. I don't know yet the effect on the rest of the electorate. Are they seeing it as certainly the Democrats are not? And the independents go back and forth. As, do they see it as political persecution? The poll today that said that 62% of the people, including Republicans, Democrats, see it as political persecution would say to me as a Democrat, let's stop that part now and let's try game plan number two, which I'm sure they have. I've told them this, uh, and he knows it, but I just keep reminding him, don't think it's over. And uh, they're very crafty. They probably got something else up their sleeve that we haven't thought about yet. Right. So, look, uh, I love President Trump. I support President Trump. I like his policies. I like his style. I like the guy. I like it all. Um, but. I think if he gets in there again, I would like to see a couple of changes. You know, I would too. Uh, in terms of the people he hires, and I have a question for you. And I've never actually talked about this out loud, but does he have a habit of putting people like, if you get on his bad side, not you, <laughs> but somebody like, say in in an office setting, will he berate and chastise people in front of others? Uh-huh. He no. doesn't. He doesn't. No, I know he has a reputation for that. I, I, I remember a totally false story, for example, when Jay Sekulow and uh, Jane Raskin and I were finishing up the answers for the Mueller committee, which were very sensitive. We had to get them right, but they would have gone after him for perjury. And the Washington Post had this big article that President Trump lost his temper like he always does and threw the papers at Jane Raskin because they picked the woman as to what he would. Jane Raskin wasn't even there. Wow. She wasn't in the room. She was at our office on the phone. He didn't lose his temper at all. But I've seen more phony articles about him losing his temper. And I can't remember. The most he'll get is sarcastic. Yeah. You know, he might get sarcastic. Like, that was a stupid thing to do. Or, uh, but I, I no, he doesn't. I'm, I would do that. <laughs> sure. No, that's great to hear because, you know, I have seen those stories and it makes you wonder. And it's one thing that, you know, maybe they don't and tell you. It's not it's- so bad sometimes. If, if that's your style of management, uh, you just op- you, you, you just tell people what you think straight up. Well, he's certainly not abusive at all. Right. I think you can't, if you have a problem with somebody, if you start, you know, berating somebody. 100%. You in, can't, I, yeah. never, I never would do that. You could, well, you could do it in private, but yes. you can't do it in front of other people. 100%. All right, so uh, well, that's great to he hear. Ne- I have never seen him do that, aside from maybe a sarcastic comment that was more of a joke than right. a, than a, a serious issue. Uh, and sometimes when he has a serious problem with somebody, he'll actually talk to someone or a me or somebody else as to how he's going to handle it. He's uh, he he likes people. I mean, I, I, he likes people. He respects people. He cares about them. I mean. Somebody's sick, he'll call him. When I, before I was working for him as his lawyer, when I got my knee operation and I had a, it was an accident, split apart my knee, he knew how bad it was. Called me almost every day. 
As the president, we had nothing to talk about at that point. I wasn't his lawyer. He just called me to see how's his friend doing. Yeah. And he, it's not just me that he does that with. Hey, by the way, Eric Adams, I think he's, uh, I think he's imploding, right? I mean, did you see, did you hear this crazy stuff? Listen to this guy. We have to get beyond God. He's, he's just, I mean, he's totally, this whole thing about the Kunta Kinte and everything else. And well, let me see here. Where's the first one? Uh, <laughs> cut C1, if you don't mind. C1. You must understand no matter how much there's an attempt to invalidate the success we're making as a city. It's a coordinated effort that people say it took 30 years before we had a mayor of color after David Dinkins. We cannot allow this mayor to do two terms. And we must understand that. It's like a child. He's like a little. He's I like have a, not heard a single person ever say what he just said that we shouldn't allow him to have two terms. Oh, I, I don't want to allow him to have no, two terms no, because he's black. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I haven't something. heard that at all. The only uh, what, what I've heard about him is a lot of disappointment because there were a lot of expectations for him. I mean, there were in many ways it's worse than De Blasio because there were no expectations for De Blasio. Huh. De Blasio was a terrible candidate. He seemed like a jerk. It was well known that he had a communist background. Everything that came out was expected. They just stupidly voted for him. This guy, there was a lot of people, maybe not you and me, but a lot of people who believe, well, he was a cop. You and I knew he really wasn't a cop. Yeah. But just the mere fact that he was a cop, they thought he would, and he said some of the right things about crime, just didn't do it. Did you, do you sense that your job, your old job, the mayor's office has been reduced? It's smaller. It's shrunk with, now that de Blasio has held it, now Adams is, it just doesn't have the same mystique, uh, prestige that it had when you sure, were there at Bloomberg. I, that would happen with any executive position, right? It really is defined by the person who holds it. Uh, how powerful are they? How well do they look, look at the job of president now? I mean, it almost doesn't exist. He doesn't, what does he do? He makes two mistakes a day and goes to sleep. I mean, the, the whole thing, he will not go after China or anything important. He doesn't want to stop fentanyl. He won't nail him for COVID. Uh, he doesn't do a damn thing about uh, about building up our military so we can compete with their much larger Navy. And he goes ahead and he calls the guy a name. I mean, th- now that is what they killed Trump for. Trump has never done anything as damaging as just out of the blue calling him a dictator. What, what do you accomplish by calling him a dictator? It's so bad. And by the way, can I do one more? I, I got this. Listen to this, Mr. Mayor. It's a, a, a thing, a mashup that I made over across uh, about everything Trump said over the years about China compared to what Biden says over the years. Which one do you think is compromised? Cut 36, please. Cut oh, 36. Wow. That's good. I have many people from China that I do business with. They laugh at us. They, they feel we're fools. You know, they're getting away with absolute murder. China's a great nation. And we should hope for the continued expansion. I don't want to lose $300 billion a year to China when we can't afford to build schools for our children, when we can't afford to build highways, when we can't afford to build railways, when we can't afford to build bridges. I want money to be invested in jobs and in this country. I don't want to rebuild China. A rising China is a positive, positive development, not only for China, but for America and the world writ large. It was China's fault. And China's going to pay a big price what they've done to this country. China's going to pay a big price what they've done to the world. This was China's fault. And just remember that. 554,064 American dead from COVID-19. A lot of families want to know how this happened, how it got here. Have you had a chance to 
speak to any of your international partners, any of uh, President Xi, who I know you go way back with. Have you had a chance to ask him if these reports are true that China maybe misled the world at the beginning? No, I, I have not had that conversation with President Xi. Thank you. Is that wild or what? Okay, that, that, that sort of makes the point I was making before. He doesn't do any of the things that are important, and then he just gratuitously calls them a name. In, 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 in private, for, by the way, which is for weird. which you don't gain anything. It's uh, <laughs> it's pathetic. But uh, you notice that you notice when Trump talks about him, he talks about him with respect. Exactly. And he does that with Putin and he does it. With, but that's the way you snow somebody. That's the way you build them up so you can negotiate with them. You can be tough and respectful at the same time. And he knows how to do it. It's nuanced, but it's amazing. Right. So does every great negotiate. Uh, we'll be right back with the mayor. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, pretty soon there's going to be an update from the Coast Guard on this uh, submarine situation near the Titanic. A debris field apparently spotted. We mm-hmm. talked about that. But, uh, Mr. Mayor, ever been on a cruise? No. <laughs> I get seasick. <laughs> yeah. I actually have never been on a on I've been a, on a boat. but a- Been on a boat, but never a pleasure cruise. One of these days, but uh, I don't know why I thought about that. Well, we hope there's a miracle. But, hey, let's take a call for uh, the mayor and me. Uh, Joyce, hello. Hi, Greg. And the mayor's on, too. Oh, wonderful. How are you? Oh, wow. I, I'm going to have to change my subject, but I just wanted, it's kind of touching my heart about the Titanic. Oh. My great-uncle James was in the Royal Air Force, uh, Navy, I'm sorry, and he went down with the ship. My great-aunt was supposed to come with him, but she was pregnant Yikes. at the time. Hey, so by the way, come. this is the good mayor, not Eric Adams, so don't worry. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> oh, I know that. I love Giuliani. And I'm thinking about Trump. You know, the president of India loved him, loved President Trump. And with all the names, they can't take a little bit of kidding even. They used to call him Nazi, Hitler, Mussolini, and they can't take it back. That's their problem. They can't right. deal. You're 100% right. I mean, it's it's so... Uh, Minor things get them upset and and they forget. I mean, I was accused by Biden in the second debate of being a Russian agent by name. And it's now proven to be totally untrue. He's never apologized. Right. That was when he did the uh, the 50 former. He said, your pal Giuliani worked with the Russians to get this. The Russians, John Mac Isaacs from Delaware. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that was an amazing moment. You yeah. Know? That was an amazing moment. All right. Well, thank you, Joyce. Let's try. Uh, oh, Barbara. Hello. Welcome back. You know about Barbara? She's the most, the wisest caller in the in the world. Hello, Barbara. You're on with me and the mayor. Oh, I am so thrilled to be on with the two of you. Mayor Giuliani, you've been my hero long before 9-11 and certainly after. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you. I just wanted to share with you, Greg, I'm so glad that you're asking us callers what we are doing because we are the seasoned patriots that must restore liberty. And I think of what John Adams said to his wife, Abigail. Quickly. He said, a a constitution of government once changed from freedom can never be restored. We love it. We love it. Great way to end. (laughs) 